Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, who is also known as the psychic explorer, is a fourth generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He is also a successful attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Mark graduated from Mercer Law School with honors, which included the study of law at Oxford University in England. He has also studied mediumship in England at the Arthur Finley College for the Advancement of Psychic Science. He is the best-selling author of Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. His highly anticipated new book, The Afterlife Frequency, is coming soon. Mark appears nationwide on TV and radio. He has appeared on national television, including the CBS hit show, The Doctors, where information he provided during a reading he conducted cracked a cold case murder. He is a featured speaker at conferences, expos, and universities, which include Brown, Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. Get ready for this fun and enlightening conversation with Mark about the science of mediumship, feeling spirit, how mediumship is a genetic trait, and how we are all made of light. So welcome, Mark. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Tanya. Um, I really appreciate you having me on. So I have to be honest. I told my best friend yesterday that I'm going to be doing a podcast conversation with a psychic lawyer. And let me tell you, she was all ears. Now, (laughs) is that a common thing, a common reaction you get? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny is, you know, people are like, well, what is a psychic lawyer? And uh, I, I don't it really it's more like who is the psychic lawyer? You know, because certainly law school, they, they, they definitely don't teach psychic intuitive ability. What it is, I was born into a family where there are a lot of psychics and mediums and it runs for generations So I was born a medium, and as I got older, I was always drawn to the spiritual, which is not an unusual thing Mm -hmm. for somebody that, you know, sees spirits. Um, And and I was going to go into the clergy, but when I started looking at it, it it was too confining, too many many rules and regulations. So I ended up going to law school, a little bit of irony there. (laughs) Um, and, And so that is how... Uh, in a nutshell, I am the psychic lawyer because the media dubbed me that. I, I was in New York City at this conference, and uh, there's a lot of people on TV and radio there, and I was due to be interviewed, and they sit me down, and the guy goes, and this is Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, and it stuck. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> it, it is. And then my my, uh, my agent at the time, she said, Mark, you're not going to get a better one than that. It'll get you on TV. But in, in recent years, uh, the media has also um, dubbed me, if you will, the psychic explorer. Because, and the reason for that, Tanya, is that I've spent a good deal of my life traveling to mystical, spiritual locations around the world to examine supernatural phenomenon and ancient mysteries. And, th- and that's why I'm on shows like this and other shows, not just to talk about mediumship, but also about things like the Bermuda Triangle, archaeological discoveries um, involving the Loch Ness Monster, which they, the scientists believe they have solved. Um, recently, archaeologists discovered the gate to the mouth of hell. 
or at least the Greco-Roman version of hell in what is now Turkey. And then I've, I've been to, um, um, on an expedition up the Amazon, I've been to Machu Picchu, Central America, Southeast Asia, Japan, all these other places. And while there, I would study the religions and and uh, uh, the, the various uh, paranormal phenomenon. And so I've got this background, thanks to the practice of law, uh, the law puts you in everything. Yeah. You know, think think about it, um, Tanya. Is there any facet of our lives that there isn't some form of legal regulation? Right, exactly. Exactly. And so, and as a trial lawyer, I had to work with uh, physicists, try doing an accident case, even a slip and fall, without the laws of physics being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had to deal with forensics chemist. So through my career, I developed a background in quantum physics, in biology, in chemistry, and combined with my uh, natural love for archaeology, theology, philosophy, and then throw in the fact that I'm an attorney and a, a guy who sees dead people. It is made for a rather interesting, if not unconventional life. Yes, indeed. <laughs> So, okay, so the the psychic explorations, are you using your abilities to figure out, try to solve the mysteries? Is that, do you tune in? Yes. Um, uh, The reason I'm hesitating is there's so much, we could do a whole episode just on this. But if um, people notice in in both my books that are out now, um, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity, Uh, Both of those involved where I was in locations where intensely traumatic things had happened. Um, And when, see, as a medium, what I do is I'm tuning into a higher frequency. That's why my new book is entitled The Afterlife Frequency. My new book's coming out this October because it's about how the human soul raises, we raise our brainwave frequency to interface with this higher frequency of the other side. Well, in psychic readings, um, people, uh, a psychic would do a reading on you to discern past, present, future events because they're picking up on vibrational frequency around you, whereas what a medium does is tune into the vibration of a third party, meaning a spirit. And so when I go to certain mystical and and spiritual or traumatic locations, I'll start picking up on residual energy echoes. And in Evidence of Eternity, um, it's kind of a it's kind of a funny, if not macabre, story. I was in um, I was in Little Italy in New York City, and I was meeting uh, this uh, this podcaster. Her name is uh, Diana Navarro. And if Diana, if you're listening, I love you, love your <laughs> podcast. She's she's amazing, and so we were supposed to meet at Umberto's Clam House, and it was like forty degrees and raining. It was a February day in New York City, absolutely miserable, and. And we walk in and, and I'm smelling Italian food. All right. And I'm of Italian descent. So I'm like, all right, I want some minestrone and you know, clams and, and all this. And I'm freezing. And my manager, Rocky's with me and Diana's on her way. And and she shows up and we're sitting there and I'm at the table. And I'm like, God, my throat. God, I feel like I, I can't breathe. I'm feeling this choking sensation. And I, go, I don't feel so good. And, and so I get up and, and Diana's like, you're all right, Mark. And, and I go, yeah, I'm going to go to the men's room. So on the way to the men's room, I feel like something punched me in the back of the head. And I'm like, what? And then I get into the restroom and then I feel like I'm getting stabbed. 
And, and then I felt like my head got blown off and I'm like, what is going on here? And on the way back, I'm passing the bar and I could swear there's like piano wire around my throat. And I'm like, and I, and I said to the, the bartender, I go, um, or uh, yeah, there was a bartender, there was a waiter, there's like four or five guys working there, you know, all these big Italian guys, you know, they're like, you know, my cousins. And I go, anyone ever die here? And and this big guy comes up, you know, and he looks like, you ever see that show, Everybody Loves Raymond? Oh, yeah. The yeah, yeah, he looks like Brad yeah. Garrett, the brother. <laughs> he comes up and he puts his hands on the table and he leans over and looks at me and he goes, yeah, lots of guys got whacked here back in the day and 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 i go oh and then and then and then um diana goes well this is uh mark anthony the psychic lawyer he goes the psychic what and the guy behind the bar goes psychic lawyer i could have used one of them you know and they were all laughing and it was so funny because when rocky when 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 this guy walked away um diana goes well they're really good guys and i can hear rocky gun you mean good fellows yeah. and <laughs> Well, I found out later that Umberto's Clam House was a site where there was a lot of mob hits on guys. Ergo, the piano wire around the neck, the stabbing, the bludgeon to death, and my head getting blown off. And so what I was doing there is, is I was picking up on the residual energy echo because, uh, Tanya, matter retains vibration. And there's a lot of the paranormal investigators, they'd run in there and go, the place is haunted. Not necessarily. Um, a traumatic event leaves a very heavy vibration and it continues and continues. It's sort of like an echo. It keeps going and going and going and going until it's intercepted and deflected. Ergo, house clearings and to some extent maybe exorcisms is to rid the place of the... Uh, residual energy echo. It's just that Umberto's clam house. And I wasn't expecting it. Just um, a lot of people, like the guy said, got whacked there back in the day. So do you feel these spontaneous, you know, connections of the residual energy often? Is this just happen randomly? Or uh, well, sometimes I'm actually brought to a location and I'm aware of what's happening sure. and then I'll open up and I'll see what I get. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, it's really uh, astounding. And psychometry is where you take an object that does not belong to you because you can't really, you can't read your own vibration. All right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is a basic um, psychic skill, psychic development uh, let's say we're doing the psychometry together and you gave me a ring or a piece of jewelry. Metal works best because of the, the you know, the higher conductivity of electromagnetic energy. And you hold it, and I, preferably in your left hand. Or if you're left-handed, do it in your right hand. Do it in the non-dominant side. And then start writing down everything, that, every single impression. And what you'll find is you'll be astonished at the detail and accuracy. Why? What you're doing is you're picking up on the residual energy echo and the vibration, which is from the person who has worn the object. And that's why you'll, you'll pick up on that. And so it's even more intense when you're in a location where something really, really horrendous happened. You know, my book, Never Letting Go, um, I wrote, and I'm not going to go into too much detail um, um, there, but when I was 19 years old and I was a college student, I was with a bunch of my buddies you know, on a college trip and we were in Munich at that time, you know, um, and we decided to go to Dachau concentration camp. 
well, I was 19 and hungover because, you know, sure. being a college student, and I wasn't ready for what I encountered there. And that that was incredibly intense. So um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Certainly. So, yeah. So I guess my question was more um, when you're not open, do you still get those psychic hits? But obviously that can happen if it's strong, if it's intense, right? I'll, I'll tell you a funny story yeah. um, that I actually haven't put in any of my books. <clears throat> so I was at the Tower of London and maybe like um, eight or nine years ago. And it, it, uh, it always seems like I'm in these great cities on a dreary day, but it was perfect London weather. Yeah. It was February. It was raining. <laughs> it was, you know, but misty rain. And it, but it was the Tower of London, you know, and I'm walking around and, and I sat down on this bench um, and uh, I kept all of a sudden I'm thinking about Anne Boleyn, because you know, I've always been a history buff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Henry VIII had uh, uh, six wives and um, Anne Boleyn, I think, is probably the most famous. And I'm thinking, you know, I know that Henry VIII had Anne, you know, he lived here at the Tower of London. Um, and I know that he had Anne Boleyn beheaded. I wonder, I wonder if that happened here. And then all of a sudden I look off to my left and down and I kid, I, I swear, there is this glass sign, and it's etched in the sign. This be the site where Queen Anne Boleyn executed by order of King Henry VIII. And I'm looking at that, and it's one of those yeah kind of moments. And I'm like half mortified, and I just started cracking up. And the thing is, Tanya, there was I was by myself. There was nobody there, you know. And I took a picture of the sign and everything. But you know, it was just one of those moments where I was cracking up, and you know. Um, you know, funny for me, not so much for Anne Boleyn. Right. <laughs> no, that's hysterical. So that's environmental signs too. People can see license plates. People can see all kinds of right. messages in the environment. Now, how can we recognize those things and, and know when it's a sign and when it's just random? Well, first off, I don't believe that anything is random. Mm. I believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's synchronicity. And, and I do discuss synchronicity in, in my book, Evidence of Eternity. And I go much deeper into it in the new book, The Afterlife Frequency, where I talk about spiritual synchronicity, that there are no random occurrences in our lives. And sometimes spirits are the ones who plant the suggestion or possibly focus our attention to something. And I want to I explain Uh, what I mean by that. Some people get rather freaked out by that notion, but you shouldn't. Nothing spiritual is controlling. All right. They're not here to control us. They're not here to possess us, to haunt us and do anything negative to us, but they can provide insights and guidance. And what we do with that is up to us. And so, like you were saying, you know, maybe you'll look at a license plate and you'll see a number combination that you keep seeing all the time. And you think of somebody who's passed. That's what I call a frequency beacon. The spirit's directing your attention to that. And then you see, let's say, the number 27. Okay. You see the number 27 and you think of your Uncle Bob who died. And every time you see 27, you think of Uncle Bob. Well, frequency beacons are when a spirit emits an electromagnetic impulse into your brain to direct something to you. It's like when people say, oh, I, you know, every time I see a cardinal, I think of, you know, my mother who died. 
And well, your mother has not turned into a cardinal, but her her energy is capable of directing that creature into your sight and and getting you to take notice of this person. And conversely, we emit frequency beacons to spirits. When you're grieving really heavily for a loved one or thinking about them, you're emitting this electromagnetic impulse. They pick up on that, it draws them to us. So frequency beacons are a two-way street of communication with the other side. And your question, uh, Tanya, is, well, you know, how do we recognize these things? And that's the key, is not to overthink things, to go with how it resonates with you. And also that's part of, um, um, I created a four-step process uh, for identifying and getting the most out of spirit contact. Uh, That four-step process will be in the new book, The Afterlife Frequency. That's great. I'm looking forward to that book. Now, you talk about electromagnetic energy, and I've heard you talk about the pineal gland and crystals. Can you explain that? Absolutely. Um, Crash course in quantum physics. And and the thing is, (laughs) uh, I was just talking to Dr. Dean Radin. Yes. And he's the, okay, you know Dean. Okay, chief scientist of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. I mean, he's, you know, like an Albert Einstein brilliant. (laughs) And he was so, he's great. And he's so funny because he said, you put 100 physicists in the room and nobody agrees on anything. (laughs) And he said, and and he goes, Mark, the truth is we really don't understand anything. (laughs) And I'm laughing, you know, because I'm thinking, all right, you know. And and I remember um, I was reading something that Werner Heisenberg, okay, Werner Heisenberg, he's one of the biggies in quantum physics. You know, he you know, hung out with Albert Einstein and Max Planck and all those guys that that uh, um, were the fathers, the founders of quantum physics. And he said that when you think you understand quantum physics, you really don't, yep. <laughs> which, which I found somewhat reassuring. But in a nutshell, um, everything in our material world is composed of molecules. Now we all know that from grade school science, molecules are made of atoms. Atoms are composed of electrons, neutrons, and protons. And those particles are made of yet an even smaller particle referred to as quanta, which is electromagnetic energy, which is the basic building block for everything in our world. Okay. So you are made of quanta, as is the desk you're sitting at, as is the microphone we're talking into, as is the electromagnetic radio waves coming out of out of uh, um, the, this whole system. Okay, so everything on the subatomic level is energy. So in our brain, our body has an electrical field, and this isn't woohoo. This is science. Um, the, the strongest electrical field in the body is the heart. But think about it. The heart's a pump. Boom, boom, boom. And that, that sucker is working 24-7. Okay. So that's the highest concentration of electrical activity in your, in your body. But the most sophisticated uh, source of electrical activity in your brain is in the, is, is in the brain. And in the, the center of our forehead... If you go back about four inches and in yoga and in Qigong and in Reiki, that's the proverbial third eye chakra. Okay. For good reason, because apparently the Hindus 5,000 years ago, when they first developed the concept of chakras, 
if you go back about four to five inches, there's a small gland in your brain about the size of a lima bean, and that's the pineal gland. Very complex, very mysterious. It's been studied for uh, the better part of the last century. We still don't fully understand everything that it does. We do know that it, it regulates our circadian rhythms when we wake up, when we you know are hungry, when we're tired. Uh, that's why you feel jet lag because the, the uh, pineal gland is somewhat, um, it's disoriented because it seems to pick up on the Earth's magnetic field. So when you change um, when you change time zones, it's disoriented and it takes time to re readjust, but it also regulates our brainwave frequencies. And we have five different brainwave frequencies, gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Uh, gamma is like super frenetic and that's where you're really problem solving is when you're on Jeopardy. Okay. You know, um, beta is the state we're in right now. That's, you know, activities for daily living. Um, alphas, I call that the groovy baby state. You know, <laughs> that's when you meditate, you start to relax. And, you know, the people that spoke weed say, oh man, it makes alpha waves. It's like, you know, whatever. Um, and then, and then when you drift from alpha to theta, um, that normally takes hours. And this is where psychic activity occurs is between the alpha and theta frequencies. And spirits are able to spot that. And that's when they'll make contact. Ergo, that's why most people who experience spirit contact do so in the sleep state. Okay. And, and people, let's face it, people, you know, if they, if I say I see dead people, they look at me like I'm insane, but if they have a dream where their mother who passed comes and speaks with them and they wake up and they feel that it was real mm -hmm. and, and, and it was coherent and makes sense, people tend to believe that more. And what we're seeing is um, that for some reason, mediums were able to go to the alpha theta border within seconds and voluntarily. And examining the pineal gland, which regulates brainwave frequencies, mm -hmm. and there have been studies conducted in Europe and in Israel, which have found both calcite and magnetite crystals in the pineal gland. So, Tanya, the first and most primitive forms of a radio involved a chunk of quartz crystal with a copper wire running low levels of electricity into it. So we've got in our very sophisticated brain, at least, <laughs> well, I think I'm being generous to humanity. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm joking. But we have an electromagnetic field here. We've got a strange gland that controls our brainwave frequencies, which has crystals in it, one being magnetite, ergo magnetism, electromagnetism. Gotcha. In essence, we have a radio station in our head. And that is what is believed by people like myself who study spirit communication, mediumship as a science to be the scientific basis for how we receive messages from the higher frequency of the other side. So because there's a, a basis in the brain, a biological basis, a scientific basis, that makes sense then that you'd be a fourth generation psychic medium, that it's, it's a genetic inherited trait. It's genetic. Yeah, yes, yes. In, in looking at my family history, and I've been able to track it on both sides, both mom and dad. And my dad was a Navy SEAL. 
okay, and a NASA engineer. So, you know, it's not like my parents were running around turbines, waving Ouija boards, and, uh, you know, it's like, no. Dad was a Navy SEAL, and he was, I, I lo loved him to pieces, but let me tell you, he was a no-nonsense guy. Um, great sense of humor. Yeah. My mom was a commercial illustrator and an artist, and, and, um, but her, her great-grandmother, excuse me, her grandmother, who's my maternal great-grandmother, Giovanna, she came over to, to um, um, New York, New Jersey from Italy. Mm. And a couple of years back, the PBS did a special called The Italian Americans. And in one episode, they did a seven-minute segment on Giovanna. Really? And, and I remember, yeah, all my cousins were watching it like we're in overcalling each other. And they actually referenced her psychic abilities. Wow. And in the New York Italian community, she was known as the woman who knew things. And she was treated with great respect and regard um, by, the, by nuns of the Catholic faith. And up until the day she died, um, and ironically, she died the same day um, John F. Kennedy was shot. Um, and this, you know, this is before my time, um, but, you know, I've heard all the family stories and, I, and it's funny because here, my cousins who are older, they couldn't understand why on TV there was all this commotion about somebody getting shot. They thought it was because Giovanna died, but, you know, it was, it was JFK. Man, they got to realize they were little kids. But um, on my dad's side of the family, he had these abilities, his sister, Marjorie, his mother, um, uh, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace. And so in my studies, it appears that... This is what's called a recessive genetic trait, a dominant genetic trait. Think of like right-handedness, mm -hmm. okay? 90 plus percent of the people in the world are right-handed, 10% are left-handed, but that's a recessive trait. In my family, psychic ability is a recessive trait, so it can skip a generation or two, but when you get two parents with the same recessive trait, then it increases the likelihood of one of the children having that trait and... That would be me. That's you. So you're, and you're Catholic. That's your background. Well, uh, yes, but let me qualify that. You know, it's funny because, you know, it, like some, some religions, you know, draw a definite response from people, you know, Catholic, like, ah, you know, um, yes, we were raised in the Catholic faith. Um, my mother's family, uh, certainly uh, being from Italy, uh, were, were Catholic. My dad was actually a Baptist, but he was not allowed to, to marry into the family until he converted. And, and it's a funny story. <laughs> Let me digress for a minute. So my dad was a Baptist. In fact, his grandfather had been a Baptist minister in Pennsylvania, founded a church, and his family is real prominent, waspy, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant types. And he, he, he just loved my mother. Okay. I mean, they just, they just, and, and, you know, when they, it was funny because when they were dating, she said, you know, there's something about me you, you, you need to know. And he goes, oh, my God, there's something about me. And, and they realized they, they both were, were mediums. That's amazing. So, yeah, synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. No coincidence there, synchronicity. And um, my grandfather, my grandmother, my mother's mother was born in the United States. OK. And but my grandfather came over from Italy and um, and. Um, so my grandfather went to him and said, I, I love your daughter and I would like to ask for her hand in marriage. And my grandfather's like, so what the religion are you? And he goes, Baptist. He goes, Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
He goes, if you want to marry my genie, you must have become a Catholic. He goes, what? He goes, that is the, I draw the line. And my dad loved her so much. He went through the whole, and you know, and it's funny, my, my roommate in law school is Jewish and we were talking about our religions. And, you know, being Jewish is a hassle. I mean, tons of rules and, and being Catholic is a hassle. And we both agreed that unless you're born it, don't do right. it. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and, um, and, but, but, but because of the abilities that ran in my family, when I was growing up, we always respected other religions. And I remember my mother would be reading about Hinduism and Buddhism. And then, you know, with my, my travels around the world and when I was in college, you know, people used to make fun of me because I was minoring in religion. Um, I still had that that component uh, of, of clergy to me because we realized that, yeah, yeah, we were raised Catholic. But and, and I write this in all my books. God exists in spite of religion, not because of religion and religions are a finite human's perspective or interface, if you will, in an attempt to define or at least um, personify infinity. Right. Be because the infinity that is the divine power of God far, far exceeds any human created religion. And I know, you know, we'll probably um, get attacked by people saying, um, the, the Bible is the word of God, the Quran is the word of God, this is the word of God. And if you want to believe that, you should absolutely believe that. But I'm saying that that is not my experience. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if we're treading on thin ice here, but. Um, no, no, I mean, and these are honest statements and it's it's an honest you're sharing your experience you're just sharing a perspective just like religions share their perspective you're sharing yours and you know we all have that um we all have a belief system and that's part of being human which can get us into trouble sometimes if we hold on to our beliefs too tightly well i was in japan and i was at a buddhist temple and um i remember talking to this young monk and he said um, and I was so impressed with, with their devotion and their spirituality. And he said, as many people as there are in the world, Mark, is as many paths to God as there are in the world. And the Hindus um, have a very interesting saying that there are many paths to the top of the mountain. The only one on the wrong path is he who runs around the mountain telling everybody else that their path is the wrong one. Right. What's that? There's a roomy quote that you really like about lamps. Abs yes. 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 Um, when we perceive God, whether it is in meditation, um, whether it is in spirit contact or near death experience, or when you look at all of the great spiritual teachers, you know, let's look at the Hindu sages of India, what Krishna talks about the light. Buddha talks about the light. Jesus talks about the light. Muhammad talks about the light. St. Francis of Assisi talks about the light. Um, Gandhi talked about the light. You go through, and when, when humans encounter um, the spiritual energy of the divine, we perceive this in the form of light. 
which interestingly enough is the only form of electromagnetic energy visible to the human eye. Okay, so perhaps by describing God in terms of light is because because that's how we are perceiving the spiritual energy of the divine. And there's a great Islamic philosopher, um, Jaladin um, Rumi, and I believe that he lived in the 13th century, which would be the 1200s, and he wrote that the lamps may be different, but the light is the same. That gets me right here. In the heart chakra. Yeah, he, yeah, he's so on point, and and um, you know, it's funny because I, you know, I I always admired uh, one of my favorite celebrities of all times was George Harrison. You know, people are like, who's that? He's like, if you ever heard of this group called the Beatles? You know, he was like the lead guitarist, and and it's funny. I was at a party one time, and I said I really liked uh, the Beatles, and so I said, well, that's not your generation. I said, well, neither's Mozart, but I listen to Mozart. You know, it's like you know, I'm going to listen to what I what I resonates with me. And George Harrison, uh, he was very deeply spiritual. Uh, he was a Hindu. Um, he was raised Catholic, even though he was from England. And but he found, he said, when I when he, when he met Ravi Shankar, um, uh, the great sitar uh, virtuoso, and he said, I got exposed to the Hindu religion. It just resonated with me. And he said once that all religions are branches of one big tree, and it doesn't matter what you call God just so long as you call. It's beautiful. Yeah. You had a near-death experience as well. That was actually surprising for me to learn about. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, the first five years of my life were not very easy. Uh, first off, um, uh, I was I was a blue baby. When I was born, I wasn't breathing. And, um, and I remember my mother telling me when I was an adult, that they basically told her, we're sorry, but your son is dead. And she said, you work on him. You know, she goes, please, you know. And so they they, they started working on me and they smacked me and, and you know, all this. And all of a sudden there, uh, she heard a <laughs> like that. And and I started started to breathe. And um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's like, you know, but for but for Thanks. the grace of God and. Then when I was about three and a half, I started seeing dead people and I uh, started talking to them. And I remember dad going, oh, no. And my mother going, oh, yeah, you know, because dad was concerned. He, he was worried. Um, um, and that's a, that's a whole other story. Uh, that's an evidence of eternity, why my father was so worried about that, because he was afraid that I'd be ridiculed or worse. Then. He was working in in uh, aerospace, and we had moved from from New Jersey to Orlando, Florida. And he was working at that time it was called Martin Marietta, and now it's Lockheed Martin, big big defense contractor. And and so he was away. I think he was in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, at the space center there. And so we're living in in Orlando, and this epidemic of of um, impetigo swept the neighborhood, and I caught it. My mom took me to the doctor said, you know, take him home and stick him in a bathtub with cool water, keep his fever down, put some bleach in the water for the uh, rashes on him. Well, the doctor apparently totally misdiagnosed me. Not only did I have impetigo, but it was such a severe case, it turned into septicemia, which is a horrible blood disease. And all of a sudden, um, 
my uh, infection. My mom has me in the bathtub and my temperature goes off the scale and I start going into respiratory failure. And she's like, oh my God. And, and she scoops me up and she um, tells my sister, call, get an ambulance. And she runs outside. Meanwhile, my brother had run across the street because this fireman lived across the street. We called him Fireman Rory. His first, I, uh, his name was Rory Rule or something. And uh, But we, I remember Rory and he was home because my brother saw his car. And mom runs outside. She goes, help me, Mark's dying. And he, you know, he starts pounding on me and doing compressions and they kind of got me breathing. And then my sister's like, mom, an ambulance is on its way. So Rory grabs me and my mom, jumps in his patrol car. He's radioing ahead. He establishes contact. He goes, all right, I'll meet you at this parking lot. So he zooms in this parking lot, ambulance pulls over. They get me, stick me on a gurney. Mom jumps into the ambulance. Uh, Rory's go, 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 slams the door. What they didn't realize is that the ventilator hose got caught in the ambulance door. So it's zooming like 90 miles an hour down Orange Blossom Trail, which these days you can never go 90 miles an hour because, you know, bumper to bumper traffic. And the paramedic says, he's not breathing. We're losing him. And my and he goes, the the hose, the hose, we got to get the hose out of the door. And mom goes, I'll get, I'll get it. Meanwhile, I remember going right through the roof of the ambulance and looking down, seeing it zooming down the highway. And all I can think is why are there numbers on the top of the ambulance? Oh my gosh. And then this flash of light in these, these beings were there. And the way I describe it, I know this sounds funny, but you know how an Academy Award looks an Oscar? Instead of being gold, they were translucent. So were the they were like these androgynous liquid light beings because they glowed from the inside out. And they were all around me. And they were really nice. I mean, really sweet. And they were like, you know, um, everything, you know, they said, you know, do not be afraid. And they started to recede. And this brighter light engulfs me. And then meanwhile, back in the ambulance, um, Mom says, I'll get the door open. So the paramedic has one hand on the gurney, another on my mom's waistband. She pries the door open, grabs her foot, pulls the ventilator hose in. And so I'm in this bright white light. And, you know, you always hear about people say, oh, I didn't want to come back. Well, I wanted to go back. Okay. I mean, I I miss my family. And all of a sudden, I hear this resonance through me that says, eternal light, eternal life. And then I hear, clear! And I shocked. I mean, you know, and they hit me with defibrillator paddles because I'd gone into cardiac failure. But they had the respirator on me. And so there I am laying on this gurney, and, it, and the ambulance is bouncing all over. And I felt like hell. I mean, I'm burning up with fever. I've just been electrocuted back into life. People have been beating on my chest. And But what hurt me the most, Tanya, and I still get choked up about this, is seeing my mom cry. Because she thought I was dead. Of course, yeah. And so then the next thing I remember, because I just passed out and I was still breathing, it must have been hours later, I'm, I'm in the hospital and uh, apparently they had me on intravenous um, I, um, antibiotics and my fever was coming down and my dad had flown in from Huntsville 
and and you know my parents were like oh thank god he's he's gonna live and i say what does eternal mean and my parents are like mark tell us what happened and i don't mean to, to keep going on and on with this little did i know that at that point my father himself had been through two near-death experiences once when he was a teenager and then once when he was a u.s diver and so he understood and they didn't know what to call it then okay the the term near-death experience didn't come come along until a few years later when dr raymond moody uh, coined it um and then when i was a teenager my mother died during a, an operation and they were able to bring her back and i remember that i was i was 16 years old and the surgeon came out and goes i he goes we're, we're losing her and this is probably not the type of thing I should say on air, but my dad suddenly turned into the Navy SEAL and he looked the surgeon right in the eye and he says, if she dies, you die. Well, they went back in and mom had flatlined. They worked on her for the better part of seven minutes and she came back. And later she told me how in the light she had encountered several relatives, including Giovanna. Um and and her father and they told her that it was not yet her time and that she had to come back so i, I i'm sorry if i get get emotional okay. because well you know these are these are those memories that you know we all want you know want life to be pleasant but these painful memories are also what shapes us but it's also these intersections between the limited existence we're having here in the material world and the infinity that is that is uh, the afterlife frequency, the other side. And, you know, that's why I'm a speaker at IANS, International Association of Near-Death Studies. That's why I wrote, wrote um, my new book, because my theory, uh, Tanya, is that all forms of spirit communication, whether it's mediumship, a visitation to people who aren't necessarily mediums, like in a dream or you see a glimpse, a near-death experience, a deathbed vision, a shared death experience, out-of-body experiences. There's a similar, um, similar course of events. In other words, it is the brain wave or the vibrational frequency of the human soul interfacing with the higher frequency of this other dimension. And uh, that's why I believe that I, I firmly believe in God. And I believe as Nikola Tesla believed that what one man calls or one person, okay, what one person calls God, another calls the laws of physics. I firmly believe that there is a logical and rational explanation for everything, even the spiritual. And I think that quantum physics is the key. And to for me, to believe in quantum physics is to believe in the intricacy and the infinite creative energy of the divine power we call God. Well put. Do you get information when you communicate with, you know, deceased persons? Do you ever ask or do they tell you their perspective of being on the other side? 
Absolutely. Um, it, it comes up quite a bit. Um, I've done close to 15,000 readings, 15,000 people throughout my life. Um, and there are times when, um, you know, some people just want to know, like, are you okay? And, you know, when I'm doing the reading for the client, um, but there are some spirits or some people where this, where the spirits will start giving us insights into things, you know, the skeptics are like, well, you know, why don't they just give you lottery numbers, you know, and it's and, and to be facetious. It's like, it's not like I haven't asked, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and, and I kind of, you know, and, and I know that uh, the standard response is, well, that's not what this gift is about. And let me tell you, the spirits are, are very serious about that. You know, this is not about, you know, picking winning lottery numbers, but I always put it out there. Hey, mom, hey, Giovanna, hey, dad, if you want to lay me on some Powerball numbers, you know, um, and, and they, they seem to, to find that rather humorous. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a condition but, of being but, on the planet, right? We all need it, it is, but, but here's what, how I approach that. I am open to that <laughs> if, if they want to, uh, want to transmit that. But, um, a lot of times they, they will talk about, um, um, phenomenon on the other side. Uh, they talk about, um, the levels, uh, the vibrational frequencies, they talk, you know, because people are like, well, what do they do? And they've explained to me that it would be virtually impossible or it is impossible for us to understand what it's like to be pure energy and to be able to move at the speeds that they move. Being electromagnetic energy and everything in the EM spectrum moves at light speed, which is 186,282 miles per second. So in the time it took me to say that, a spirit could have been to the moon and back a couple times. That's how fast they move. And... So when, and I see a lot of mediums say, oh, as above, so below, I'm communicating with them and your mother and Aunt Myrtle are sitting at a table drinking wine. No, they're not. What they're doing is they're creating for us a point of reference, a construct that you and I can relate to, okay? Because if they try to project to me what it's like to be part of the collective consciousness, part of the interconnection with all other spirits and all this information, we simply, our brain simply isn't designed to grasp the concept of infinity. So what they do is they create things we can relate to. Um, and for those of you who've had a dream or a loved one in spirit communicates with you during the dream, there will be maybe a familiar setting or, you know, you'll sit down at a table or you're going for a walk together because they're creating something you can relate to as they communicate with you. I, I, I hope that's that's answered your question. I think so. I, I know I know that it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I know it's something that, you know, we just can't wrap our head around fully, but it it's interesting just to get different perspectives because I know different mediums will have a different impression or different information, but I do find there is a consensus and what you're saying is something I've heard often. Mm -hmm. One of the things they, they tend to do a lot with me and with some of my colleagues is they give me medical information mm -hmm. about the person that I'm doing the reading for. And, you know, I always tell people, um, this is not a substitute for medical advice. You know, people start laughing, uh, you know, and it's like, you have to listen here. Um, I have, I, um, I, I notate uh, significant uh, uh, feedback from clients. I've got hundreds of stories of people who said, during the reading, you told me that I had this problem or this condition. 
And I went to the doctor and said, test me for it. And I did. Okay. And in a number of incidents, um, I've had people say it saved my life. I was at an event in Texas before COVID happened. And this gentleman walked up to me and says, can I shake your hand? I said, well, yeah, yeah, sure. That's you know nice to meet you. And he said, you probably don't remember me, but you did a reading uh, here on me a year ago. And you said, get to the doctor right away. You're on the verge of a heart attack. And I said, oh, I'm fine. That sounds like BS. He said, well, my wife got on me and we went to the doctor. He says, oh, dear God, you're on the verge of a heart attack. Okay. Because there is a blockage. Now, I can't look at somebody and say, oh, you must have a blockage, much less people with these unusual genetic anomalies that spirits will transmit to me. And I've had people ask, well, why do they do that? Well, healing is a gift, is it not? Good health is not something to be taken for granted. You know, good health and healing, uh, it's a gift from God. And, and I'm not for one nanosecond comparing myself. But think about the stories in the Bible where Jesus heals people. Okay, once again, not comparing myself. What I'm saying is that good health is when your body's cellular structure is in perfect vibrational alignment. Okay, Spirits can run the scan of your body. They pick up on where energy anomalies. All right, Tanya, you do Qigong healing. Are, am I talking your language? Yep. 100%. That's what it's all about. It's about picking up on the, the blocks and, cl and clearing that so there's a smooth pathway of energy flowing. Yes. You know, and it appears from, from the scientists I've talked to that the great advancement in medical technology in the 21st century will be vibrational energy healing. You know, if, if, for example, um, cancer would have a lower vibrational frequency than a healthy cell. So if we can go in and, and stimulate the cancer cells and change their vibration, you know, in other words, uh, the affected cells make them healthy. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. Um, you know, you certainly see interesting things with CRISPR, you know, where scientists are going in and looking at uh, DNA strands, and then they're finding the, the um, part of the DNA that carries the genetic proclivity or the genetic code for the disease, and then remove that and replace it with the healthy code. So I think we're just scratching the surface. Personally, I wish we were farther along with this because it'd be really nice to, to cure cancer and lupus and, and muscular dystrophy and, and, and ALS and on and on and on, uh, these horrible diseases that, that plague all of us. Uh, but but um, um, I believe that it will happen, provided humanity has the wherewithal not to blast itself into atoms. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yes, that is. <laughs> However, you know, with your work, you instill hope to the grieving. I mean, that's, you know, you have wisdom and insight into the spirit realm. So what, what would be the best thing you can tell someone who's grieving? If someone's listening right now and grieving, what, what could you tell them? Five points. God exists. Heaven, the afterlife, the other side, whatever you want to call it, exists. That our soul is an immortal living entity. That we can communicate with souls and that we will be reunited with the souls, with our loved ones, when it is our appointed time to leave this material world dimension. So light, 
and life, uh, the, the light of life, the energy of life is eternal. Not even death can kill the soul. Love it. So the afterlife frequency is your new book coming out. I'm very humbled um, by this book because uh, to date it's been endorsed by 10 of the top um, afterlife experts in the world. And, and to have that type of uh, feedback and acclaim, Dr. Dean Radin's one of them, um, Dr. Bruce Grayson, who's uh, IONS, um, Dr. Gary Schwartz wrote the um, wrote the forward, Dr. Jeffrey Long, who's head of um, uh, the Near Death Research uh, Foundation, um, William Bowman for the uh, Monroe Institute, Love Out him. of Body Experiences, <laughs> PMH Atwater, who is called the grandmother of near-death experiences, and her friend and my friend, Nancy Evans-Bush, um, my co-host on my radio show, um, uh, The Psychic and the Doc, Dr. Pat Basili, world-renowned um, world renowned psychologist, um, Dr. Colonel, Dr. John Alexander, and he used to be the president of IONS. He was also the head of the U.S. military's UFO project. Um, he was head of um, or instrumental to Project Stargate, which was uh, the United States using remote viewers. And he approaches things from um, an uh, intense uh, uh, scientific perspective. Kevin Tedeschi, the CEO of the Edgar Casey Association for Research and Enlightenment. And gosh, I hope I haven't left anybody out um, um, there. And so, so, but. Uh, According to my publisher, there will be more endorsements, and and I've just been been so honored and and so humbled um, to have such incredible luminaries uh, respect and like my work. Oh, Pim von Lummel, oh, Europe's foremost expert on near death experiences. Sorry, uh, Doctor von uh, Lummel. Um, uh, he was so cool. I met him at Ions a few years ago, and he's from Holland, and he's just the neatest guy. And so we're, we're, we're at the banquet at Ions and he walks up to me and he goes, so at last we meet. And, and I, and I started laughing because I wanted to hear Mr. Bond, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just absolutely thought he was, he was just such a great guy. Um, and it, it's such an, such an honor to, to be able to, to call these people, uh, my colleagues and, and my friends. Excellent. Well, listen, please come back when the book has been released. I'd love to talk about it and hopefully get some more stories because you have wonderful stories to share. <laughs> and who knows what else we can talk about. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. So, yeah, I would love to come back uh, when the afterlife frequency uh, is out so I can reveal a little bit more um, about that. And um, Tanya, thank you so much for, for having me on and to all the listeners please keep tuning in because the work that Tanya does is enlightening and let's face it, it makes us feel better. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Mark Anthony. For more on Mark and to find his books, please visit evidenceofeternity.com. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And be sure to join me next time 
where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing. <laughs>